nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Hello, it is Monday again. That means we're back for Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing, and I am Leanne Meyer, your host. Um, I just am always happy. Monday mornings are a great day for me because I am just always thrilled to talk to all the people that I come in contact through this. And it's always fun to hear back from all of you that have been listening and your input, your ideas and thoughts. So please keep them coming. Uh, Also, any ideas you have for what you'd like to hear on future shows, please let me know through my um, uh, LinkedIn, through uh, my email, uh, and also you can call in on the show. So uh, today, I just wanted to think about this a little bit here. I sometimes think that I came into this world with an innate desire to help everyone, even when they really didn't know they needed my help. Um, kind of a problem sometimes for me, or rather maybe for other people working with me. Uh, But what better career than nursing to exercise that sense of duty and responsibility? Uh, We talk about that a lot when we talk about nursing, but uh, we don't always think of it in terms of the responsibility in a legal sense from the standpoint of uh, the laws that are written about the work that we do. And so I have today with me, uh, my guest takes us into that world of politics, politics as it affects nurses and therefore patients. So I can't speak for anyone else, but I am phenomenally frustrated with the level of control that politicians have had over um, the nursing practice and healthcare uh, and oversight um, over nursing. Um, I'm happy to know that there are nurses in the political ring uh, looking out for nursing, and I'm happy to know there are nurses uh, like Jackie Russell, who is my guest today. She is um, a nurse and a lawyer, and uh, she's recently joined the staff of the Minnesota Nurses Association. So today we want to discuss issues currently being discussed in our legislature, like, uh, as our title in- indicates today, nurse licensure reciprocity from one state to another. Many of these issues also impact other states. So, Jackie, can you share a little bit about how you got started into nursing and how you've traveled along the way to getting to this point? Um, Certainly. Um, I began my nursing career probably like many other nurses, and then I had an experience in my life that Um, drew me to the profession. I was in my mid-20s and was expecting my first child and found myself um, facing an emergency cesarean. And that team of nurses was exceptional. They were so competent and so calm and so wonderful that um, I began to consider throughout that experience that I also wanted to be a nurse. And so I entered uh, nursing school shortly thereafter and 
uh, practiced in open heart step down and emergency and trauma nursing until I decided um, that I wanted to further my education and chose to attend law school. That's quite a change. That's a big jump. What about the law uh, intrigued you or um, brought you or pulled you? I really think that um, when I completed my, I, I did an RN to BSN program and at that time was beginning to consider the possibilities of uh, a master's in nursing or um, becoming a nurse practitioner, some other advanced degree. But when I looked at law, which was an option, um, because I think it it was the it gave me a more broad opportunity to do more within the nursing profession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm sure it would. So when you first started practicing law, was it in uh, relation to nursing? It wasn't. I actually started practicing as a an assistant district attorney in the state of New Mexico as a prosecutor. Okay, so you got. Um, what we would say, oftentimes when nurses graduate from nursing school, we always say you better do some med surge. Uh, make sure you've got a good uh, foundation in that before you go into some of the specialties. It sounds like that might be the same kind of thing with law, that it would be good to have a basis in general law um, and then be able to translate some of that to, to nursing or things issues around nursing. Is that true or not true? Maybe no, that, it doesn't need to be. Well, that is true. Um as a emergency trauma nurse, I did have many patients that were victims of uh, drunk driving or assault. And um, so I was very familiar with that type of case on the medical side and believe that it would be an easier transition for me as a prosecutor, having seen, um, you know, the adverse results of of those um, issues that we mm-hmm. have. And um, so I did have an opportunity then to to do that kind of work. And um, in the interim, learned a good bit about trial work and being in the courtroom, which is mm-hmm. fabulous experience for any attorney moving on in mm-hmm. any area of law. I would think even just the ability to be able to speak difficult, about difficult topics in front of people who disagree with you, I would think that has to be a good experience to be able to hold your own in those kinds of areas. Absolutely, yes. Great. So how did you find out about Minnesota and the Nurses Association, and how did you get involved in their work? Well, I've often been asked the question, why did I leave nursing behind and go to law school? And my answer is always the same, that I never left the nursing profession, that I I'd always hoped to use my law degree to further uh, nursing practice in some way. I wasn't sure how that would come about, but I happened to see on the Nurse Attorney Association website, the position was open with M&A, and when I first reviewed that, it certainly did seem to encompass everything that I had been looking for when I started this journey. Great. So it's kind of come back to 
um, putting it all together, basically. And I'm always interested when so many nurses that I have on the show will say, no matter how much time they took away from bedside nursing, they never left nursing. Right. And I, I think that's a lot of what into it, went into it when I named the show was once a nurse, always a nurse, because it's always the way I have felt no matter what else is going on in my life, I am always a nurse at the core. Um, so I think that's it seems to be very true for almost every other nurse I have met. Yes. So our title today is is about the nursing license reciprocity and I have to admit I don't know very much about that um, the times that I have practiced in other states um, there was a reciprocity law between Minnesota and certain states that they would have a reciprocity but still at that time I had to apply to the new board of nursing so whether it was Wisconsin or Colorado in my case and then had to be approved through them so they checked to make sure I was licensed, that I had actually done the training that I had said I did, that my um, hospital or my um, my work experience was valid and um, could, you know, be utilized in their state. So, um, tell me a little bit more about uh, was that also your experience? Because I know you um, practiced in Ohio and also in Oregon. Was that the process you went through also? Yes, that was the process. When um, I relocated to another state, I applied for licensure by endorsement, and my new state then requested license verification, a background check, and it wasn't too long before then I did have a license to practice in the state in which I resided. Okay. Right. Uh, which is always a great relief, especially right? if you've already moved there and you're uh, set up and ready for a job. Um, so I guess I want to have you talk a little bit more about what is this legislation and where did it start? How, did it come from nurses? Did it come from states? I mean, how did how did this reciprocity law get, get going? It got going back in the late uh, 1990s and was enacted in 2000. It was initially um, brought forth by the National Council of State Boards of Nursing. Okay. And um, over the last 15 years, some 25 states have joined. It's called the Nurse Licensure Compact. Okay. This year, Minnesota um, has this legislation um, before it and is um, considering whether then to join the compact or not. Okay, so then up until now, Minnesota has not been a part. It wasn't one of those 15 states that started out no. being involved? No. Okay, and so what is the process uh, happening now? I know, I don't know other states, but I think almost every state has a very um, defined period of time that the Minnesota or the, the state legislature gets together, and it's always packed with 3,000 things they want to get through during that time period. So tell me about what's happening in our legislature with this um, particular bill. Well, this uh, particular bill has come before the Minnesota legislature this year because the initial nurse licensure compact has been enhanced by 11 different um, uh, Statutes different or? areas that mm -hmm. the nurse licensure compact will now 
add to add what they to, already yes, have. Exactly. Okay. Yes. All right. So um, is the Minnesota Nurses Association in favor of this? Are they promoting it? The Minnesota Nurses Association currently opposes the legislation. Okay. So say more about that. Um, uh, you know, when I first heard about it, my immediate reaction was, oh, what a great thing for nurses to be able to, you know, to go to any, maybe eventually any state in the union. So what's the problem with that? Well, there are a few issues. Um, Minnesota Nurses Association is, um, could, well, let me back up. The way that it works is that there are certain states that are compact states, and a nurse could get what would be called a multi-state license, which would allow her to practice in any state outside of her home state, in her home state, but also outside of her home state that she would choose to work. So a nurse will get her license in the state where she resides and then apply through that state for a multi-state license and then be able to practice in another compact state on that multi-state license. Okay. So, so far, it sounds good for nurses. So far. However, what that means is that when a nurse is coming into Minnesota, they will not need to go through the Minnesota Board of Nursing for a license. So they could come here and practice for an employer without having to touch in or be regulated by the Minnesota Board of Nursing. Okay, this is starting to not sound so good. So anyway, they could be somebody who just crosses the line, gets a job at a hospital based on the fact that they had reciprocity for the licensure. If that hospital in hiring them didn't check on them, you know, closely, um, the Board of Nursing would never know that they're practicing in the state. They could actually come in and practice and the board would not have any idea about who they are. That's right. And that's one of the association's concerns is that a nurse could come in and practice for an employer without um, having to be in touch with the Board of Nursing. And as we know, nurse practice acts are different between states, as well as continuing education credits and other such licensing requirements. So a nurse could be practicing in Minnesota under different nursing licensure requirements than Minnesota has. This sounds like a great topic to go into more deeply. We're going to take a break here. And um, this is uh, Leanne Meyer on What's a Nurse? Always a Nurse Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm here today with Jackie Russell. She's a nurse and a lawyer. She is working currently um, with the Minnesota Nurses Association and the Minnesota legislature to try and talk about this law of nursing license reciprocity. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. 
us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Hi, this is Leanne Meyer, and this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. We are really exploring today because this is an area that I don't know a lot about. We're talking about uh, the legislation and some of the laws that impact nurses and uh, who are those people who are standing up in favor of nurses uh, as these laws are going through their their usual track in, in their legislatures. So today I'm here with Jackie. Russell, and we're talking specifically about the nurse license reciprocity. Um, I was mentioning that to me, that sounds like a great idea, but Jackie is telling me that the Minnesota Nurses Association is opposed to this legislation, at least the way that it's written now. And so we're just going over a few of those issues. One of them that Jackie mentioned to me is the fact that a nurse could, if they were involved in states that had this reciprocity, a nurse could actually go to any state and just get a job and start practicing without the board of nursing in that state, even knowing she was there. So indeed, if there were some discipline problems, I'm guessing that could uh, be an issue that the board might want to know about and be able to keep track of this nurse. So tell me, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Certainly. So there are concerns about how disciplinary procedures would... Um, proceed in that if a nurse is disciplined in a compact state, then all compact states may have 
access to that information and where would the discipline occur? Would it occur only in the home state by the home board of nursing or also with the state where the patient is located? And um, that's of concern because that may open up the nurse to to disciplinary procedures. So the allegations then may be known to all the compact states. There may be communication about that even before there is a conclusion to the allegation. And then that nurse may have to then go on to defend her position and not only where the patient was or her home state, but perhaps other compact states. It's Mm -hmm. not known. Um, It's not clear. Yeah, so, and that that's a problem. Out. Anytime uh, these things are not clear, uh, you're just opening yourself for a whole bag of worms that, that could be um, detrimental to the nurse and then possibly detrimental to the patients also. Yes. And also, this the way that it's written is that the nurse is responsible for the Nurse Practice Act in the state where the patient is located. So, for example, if a nurse is in the home, we, we always talk about the compact in terms of nurses from other states coming here, and that's a very important issue. But also in looking at the future and the future of medicine and nursing, we're looking at perhaps telehealth yes. and reaching out to patients from the state of Minnesota. So if a nurse is based in Minnesota and she's reaching out to a patient in another state and then she's responsible for practicing under the Nurse Practice Act of that state where the patient is. What are the nuances of the Nurse Practice Act? How will she know or he know? And how many patients will that nurse who's based in Minnesota be in contact with each day? Probably several if you're looking at telehealth or telemedicine. And the other question is if the patient is in a non-compact state at the time the nurse in Minnesota reaches out to them, how then will disciplinary proceedings um, mm-hmm. occur? Yeah, I would even wonder if I was that nurse that was going from state to state, how am I going to learn about what the laws are of the state that I'm talking to this individual patient? Because clearly, I I, I mean, I'm just thinking if I was calling that patient, I'm going to be thinking in terms of my experience in the state I've been used to practicing in. And then I may be telling the patient some things that doesn't go according to the laws of their state. So is that a possibility? That seems like it could be a possibility, yes, and that's also a concern. So there's just a lot of gray area in here that could be a problem for either nurse or patient. So um, how about safety and quality of care? How does that come in in this kind of a situation? Well, nurses are still... um, still must practice under the Nurse Practice Act of their home state where they are at, but in addition to where the patient is. Mm -hmm. And that's what the concern is, is is that wherever that patient is, will the nurse, what if the patient is on an airplane getting (laughs) in Nevada, getting ready to 
go to Florida? I mean, are we are the nurses always going to know where the patient is if they're reaching out to follow up on care? And then it seems like a lot to expect for them to then um, know all the nuances of right. the, that. Nurse so it could actually act. be, according to that, it could be a Minnesota patient and a Minnesota nurse, but the patient's getting on a plane and going to Europe or maybe to another state in the United States when they have a health issue. Yes. So maybe the nurse knows the patient and the patient knows the nurse, but then you have that element of you you are in a different state. What's the difference? Can the nurse still, is it the nurse's patient, even though that patient's not exactly in physically in Minnesota? Yes, it seems to be rather gray. Yeah, yes. sounds very convoluted. Yes. Um, I was thinking in terms of two, I know different states, um, I don't know if all the states now have the same requirements for nursing uh, degrees and licensure. I don't know how much the state boards, uh, when you take your board of, um, board of nursing, um, that isn't what I want to say, the NCLEX, if that's exactly the same in all states or if that varies from state to state, do you know about that? Nursing license requirements do vary um, from state to state. Um, some Most states do do a criminal background check, including fingerprinting, but there are states that do not. And one other part of this new compact that concerns um, should concern Minnesota nurses is that there is what's called a grandfather clause. Mm-hmm. So if nurses were part of the old original nurse licensure compact, and that did not require criminal background checks if the state uh, where the nurse resided didn't require a background check for licensure, and there are some mm-hmm. states that did not and do not, then that nurse could still practice in Minnesota without any kind of check Any kind of background check. And again, the board of nurse would not know she's here. So the, the opportunity for somebody who is involved in uh, criminal activity is that she could escape from a state where she's under um, discipline and just keep moving from state to state so she's maybe just ahead of, of the law trying to get a hold of her and there wouldn't be anybody who really knew or could follow up on her. Yes, and that is part of the resistance that the states who have not joined the compact have had over mm-hmm. the years. Okay. And I should say part of the enhanced or the new legislation um, is that it requires criminal background checks, which the original nurse licensure compact did not. So that is a step in the right direction. However, with the grandfather clause, the nurses who weren't subjected to the criminal background check could continue to practice um, until their license come up for renewal again or whatnot. And so there is the grandfather clause issue as well. The other issue that comes up that in my mind, I'm thinking of myself working on a nursing unit and having a nurse come in as a new employee and my not being able to know who is this person and is this person somebody I can trust? And if there were some criminal or illegal issues going on, am I going to somehow be pulled into that? So mostly now you feel like, okay, they've been checked out by the facility that's hiring and the BON is aware of who they are and where they're coming from. Um, That would not be the case of somebody under this process. Well, we've heard 
from several nurses who have had that complaint, that very complaint that they are working alongside a nurse that has come in from another state and maybe came from a state that didn't have the continuing education requirements or the number of hours required in practice before a license was renewed, and that there's a lot of oversight by Minnesota nurses of compact nurses or of travel nurses, maybe for their unit. Um, So say a unit is uh, a high acuity unit where a nurse has had to go through months of training to be able to work on that unit in addition to um, her original license and continuing education. A, a travel nurse comes in that hasn't had that background or training. So that increases the stress and responsibility of other nurses on the unit. Yeah. And when we hear from our members, that is one of their primary complaints. It is. Um, I know that as we were talking before, uh, you were talking about uh, the aspect of of, uh, fees that nurses pay to have a license in a certain state. Um, How does that impact? It's suspected that it would impact negatively based on data taken from other states. And the reason being is that once a nurse has obtained a multi-state license, then she would not have to, she or he, excuse me, would yeah, not have to. I apologize I've been using she also, and I, there's so many wonderful uh, male nurses too that we need to include here. I apologize, there certainly is, that the nurse would not have to then pay a licensing fee to the board in the state where they're practicing. So the board of nursing, um, would not be taking in fees from travel nurses coming into the state. So there would be revenue not coming into the board, but in order to continue on and maintain the same, uh, you know, level oversight, oversight, then it may be that nurse licenses in Minnesota Fees will increase. Mm, okay, to it's cover not it. known, because but that's they, a concern. They could then be involved in some sort of litigation over this nurse, but have not gotten the benefit of extra fees coming in. Yes. Uh, to try and cover those those costs, so and it would be the rest of Minnesota nurses then pay for it. Yes. Yeah. And the commission, the nurse compact, has set up a commission of uh, state boards within the compact and then Minnesota pays a fee to the commission. So where the money will come from for those fees, I think is still yet to be really determined or known. And so that has also been a concern. Um, One other thing I was uh, just thinking about or looking at here too, um, We've had some really large nurses' strikes in Minnesota. Fortunately, very, very few of them very grateful for that because it is um, extremely hard for everybody. It's, it's um, emotionally, physically, mentally, economically, every way you want to look at it, strikes are um, not a positive thing for our nurses, for our patients, for our employers, any way you want to look at it. So um, I know that if nurses are feeling strongly enough about an issue that they want to uh, 
call the employer on it, one of the main ways that they would have to do that is through a strike. And so how would this impact a strike situation? It could have a negative impact on a strike situation. The nurses, when they're on strike, are in a more powerful position to negotiate and come to an agreement with their employer. However, if the employer is able to bring in compact nurses or travel nurses to replace nurses that are on strike, then the position of power may be weakened. So that is of concern. I know that the strikes that I've been involved in, either um, I've never been a nurse on strike or been uh, in a union that I had to strike. Um, But I have worked for organizations who have been trying to work with the nurses to try and resolve some of these difficulties. And so I've kind of seen both sides of the issues. And I know uh, in one of the strikes that I was involved in, um, it was incredible the amount of work that had to happen to get to get prepared for a potential strike, not even that it would actually happen, but just that the potential of it, because you could not leave the patients in a situation where nurses would walk off the job and there would be no one there to take care of them. It it just isn't something that can happen. So what happens now, uh, as I understand it, if there was a strike, employers would have to have anybody who wanted to come in to replace would need to go through our board of nursing to get a license here in Minnesota, which means all those background checks, all of those um, issues of, do, you know, have they been trained appropriately? Have Do they have the um, credentials to be able to work in the area that they're choosing? All of that. So, um, as I'm understanding it, you know, even though that is probably a difficulty for the employer, from the patient standpoint, you would not want any less that those uh, nurses were clearly um, ratified, that they were clearly uh, looked at by the board before they came in to take care of patients. And would that be the possibility that the board would not even know who is coming in or where they're, which hospital they're working at or which, which area that they're working in? Yes, that's exactly what would happen. Yes. And so it's easier for the employer to bring in nurses that already have a multi-state license to work mm-hmm. maybe immediately, mm-hmm. that there would not be the need then to, or the requirement mm-hmm. to go through the licensing process with the board, which is so important. Right. We're coming up, uh, nearing a break, and... Um, So I just wanted to, uh, maybe we can take a break here and we'll come back to this when we come back. Uh, But this this is really a sticky issue here of, um, I think every nurse wants to make sure that their patient is being cared for uh, to the utmost. And I think a nurse even trying to make a decision of going on strike is incredibly difficult from many, many different aspects. So let's come back in a couple of minutes and we'll talk a little bit about this. And uh, maybe we could also talk a little bit about uh, the staffing ratios, which is always an issue for nurses, uh, particularly, and just see how that fits into the work that you're doing. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer. 
I'm here with Jackie Russell, and we're talking about uh, legislation, uh, laws that impact nurses. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Hi, this is Leanne Meyer from Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Uh, exploring the world of nursing, and I'm talking with Jackie Russell about legislation and uh, the impact on nurses, and uh, Jackie's background is she's a nurse and a lawyer, and so she's currently working with the Minnesota Nurses Association. Some of the things we've been talking about is a new law, or rather it's an older law that's being updated, but Minnesota is just coming into it now, uh, about the... um, the compact, what did, what did you call it again? The, the nurse licensure compact? The nice nurse, nurse licensure compact. Great. And um, so uh, one of the things I was thinking about also is uh, the idea of nursing shortage. We know that uh, boomer nurses are retiring as almost as fast as they can 
you know, fill out the paperwork. I had heard somewhere that in the country, something like 4,000 nurses a week. And I'm not sure if that is uh, true um, everywhere, you know, if, if, if that's, you know, it was something somebody just threw off or if that was actually something that was an exact um, uh, number. But what I was thinking is if this reciprocity was in place um, and we had nursing shortage, how would that work if, uh, say, a hospital or an organization or someplace was trying to get a significant number of nurses to come to their facility? And with reciprocity, how might how might that work? I mean, would they, could they do it without doing a lot of checking? Yes, they could. Um, and it would be wonderful if the hospitals, healthcare systems um, would... Um, bring in more nurses to better staff their hospitals. In Minnesota, there's a distinction between short nurse, short a nursing shortage, excuse me, and a staff shortage. Mm-hmm. And it's important to make that distinction mm-hmm. because in Minnesota, we have seen there's not a shortage of nurses. Oh, okay. But there's a shortage of nurses on staff Got it. to make safe patient-to-nurse mm-hmm. ratios. Yeah. Well, I can tell you from my own experience, and it's been a long, long time, 40-some years I've been a nurse, and what kept happening for us is things were being uh, requested of us, uh, whether that would be uh, you know, fewer nurses on shift, uh, maybe having people off call or on call that were in the building but not actually working. We had um, uh, SWAT teams. We had all kinds of things that were supposed to address those periodic times when uh, uh, the patient census would go up and nurses were being called upon to do more with less. And always a very uh, terrifying situation for a nurse, especially if you're getting a critical patient, you've been dealing with some critical patients, and suddenly you're being asked to, to uh, get in the middle of yet another critical patient with no relief of the patients you had been taking care of. So that's that's a really big issue. Um, what we would often do, I, I know at one point we had set up some uh, criteria around uh, you know, certain levels of patient acuity and how what type of a nurse had to take care of that patient and all those kinds of things. And still, we would constantly be asked to do more with less, more with less, more with less. And what often would end up happening is that they might not cut the nurses per se, but they would cut the, the uh, assistance that a nurse had. So she might uh, not have a linen person that comes up and brings up linen or um, passes the linen out of, amongst the um, department. Uh, you might not have nutrition services anymore delivering trays and, and taking them out and picking them up from rooms. Uh, you might not have a, a central supply delivering needed uh, equipment and things like that, that the nurses then take up that role again. So many times that's how, in my experience, um, hospitals or facilities have gotten around the idea of um, not decreasing the nurses per se, but actually pulling the nurses in many, many more directions. Is that part of this nursing shortage problem or it's a different situation? Well, I don't think things have really changed. Um, Over the years that I've practiced, 
Um, also, I also experienced many times when I do wish that there was another nurse on our shift to help us out with that patient load. Um, in Minnesota, again, not a nursing shortage. There are more mm-hmm. nurses that are graduating mm-hmm. and prepared to work in our healthcare systems than there are posted jobs. Mm-hmm. And this is a great area of concern. Nurses um, are experiencing what you just described, working um, harder hours with less help and with less nurses on staff to care for those patients throughout Minnesota. Mm-hmm. The Minnesota Nurses Association does an annual survey mm-hmm. of nurses who um, have experienced a, a shift where they are um, short-staffed, mm-hmm. and they can report that. And we're just getting ready to um, make public our results of 2017, and we've seen an increase in the number of complaints. Okay. And uh, that's one so of the things I was uh, concerned with. I know when I graduated from nursing school, it was a similar type sa- situation. There were way more nurses graduating in Minnesota than there were jobs for nurses. And so when I graduated, uh, my friend and I ended up traveling the whole central part of the United States looking for a job. And what we discovered was actually Minnesota was providing nurses for most of the country. So, uh, you know, lots of things that come in with that, too. Um, But also, I know that the nurse, that the patient acuity is going up. So even if the staffing, the nurse-patient ratio is the same or uh, about the same as what it's been in the past, the patients are completely different. And I don't know how much um, patients and families realize that that now what used to be on a med surge unit is in a transitional care unit at maybe a nursing home or something like that. Uh, what was in intensive care is on what we would call med surge floors. And what's in intensive care is incredibly critical, the kind of patient that might be a one-on-one uh, kind of care, and yet nurses are uh, asked to, well, couldn't you take one more patient? Couldn't you just take an admission? So how is that... Uh, addressed. How, how does MA help? What is their uh, idea of what it should look like? How it could be done? It could be done much better. Um, I had a similar experience when I started practicing right out of nursing school. I was recruited to a cardiac unit that was considered an open heart step down, but those patients weren't in an ICU. They went from open heart to ICU, but then very quickly transitioned Mm -hmm. to my unit. So the nurses on my cardiac unit would have been in an ICU in probably a lower level hospital or smaller Mm -hmm. hospital. The unit was 77 beds on one floor, and we would see the cardiologist at the end of the hallway in the morning, and maybe by noon he was at... um, at, at my area to see my patients. Hmm. And I don't think that's changed over the years in my experience and not from what we're hearing from our members. So the surgeries are much more um, technical and much more invasive, um, you know, transplants and 
um, bone marrow transplants and all the kinds of things that are being done now that simply couldn't even have been done before. And, um, and yet nurses are still being asked to, to do the care as though it was the level of acuity previously. Yes. Yes, that's true. And the admissions have right. probably have seen that the number of days that a patient stays in the hospital is less. So for nurses, mm-hmm. that puts pressure um, more on the admissions and discharges, which mm-hmm. are very involved mm-hmm. on both ends. Right. And so they may have a certain number of patients, but if they're turning over those patients quickly, Quicker. the care is equally mm-hmm. um, involved. Not to mention... Um, teaching yes. uh, some of those aspects of trying to make sure that uh, the patient can understand uh, that they're not too and an- still anesthetized or medicated, that they don't know even what's being said to them, or that the caregivers are there uh, in time to be able to hear some of that teaching. That's true. Gee, it's it's, one of the it is a lot more involved. So, um, is there specifics that um, M&A is, is hoping for? Are they in favor of uh, mandatory or um, law, law decreed nursing ratios, or what is it that they would like to see? Uh, yes, safer staffing, which uh, then would re- probably require legislation, a nurse patient to safety ratio legislation to see that forthcoming. Mm-hmm. So, is what they want for the nurses to decide when? Uh, more nurses are needed or that something else needs to happen as opposed to maybe administration determining that? Well, nurses are in the best position mm-hmm. to know their patients and know their acuity, know what the, the culture and the way that their unit works. Mm-hmm. So certainly um, I would advocate for nurses to be more involved Mm -hmm. in what happens on their unit and to communicate with the association if they are a member of it Mm -hmm. with what is going on with their units so that we can gather that data and move forward on any legislation that we can to then further help the nurses and of course advocate for their patients. One of the things I've always encouraged my nurses, when whether I was a manager or whether um, I was working beside other nurses, is that we are not victims and we are professionals and we have the knowledge of what needs to happen and, sh- and can happen and maybe the innovation on how certain things could be handled differently. But it takes nurses standing up and not um, not necessarily in a belligerent or um, adverse way, but in a helpful way because many times uh, the people who are making these decisions really have no idea what the nurses know. Um, so if a nurses could come together and come up with some great ideas about how this might be done, taking into consideration all of the economical, the uh, safety, the all the other things that have to be considered, uh, it just seems to me that that would be welcome um, by administrators who are uh, trying to deal with this and, and not really fulfilling everybody's needs. Is that something that uh, M&A is promoting? Absolutely. Nurses... No one knows the nursing profession better than nurses. Mm -hmm. And so nurses, if they're involved, they may educate persons who are 
in a position of power or in a position to push through legislation that may not know or understand the profession. And that is key to protecting our licenses as well as our profession. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, absolutely. Yeah, it seems like more and more, and you had mentioned that at one point you would consider going into a higher level of uh, nursing uh, education and then nursing leadership. And I see that happening a lot. A lot of the nurses that are entering are not thinking in terms of I'm going to be at the bedside uh, for the rest of my life, or they're realizing that if I'm going to be at the bedside, I want to have certifications that make me much more confident of the decisions I'm making, etc. So I think those will be changes. And then you brought up the telehealth um, aspect of it. I think uh, nurses will be functioning in much different ways than what we have been in the past. And I think all of that can be great as long as there are people who are um, really aware of the big picture of it and how it all works out. Yes. So, and, and people in collaboration. Yes. So um, we are getting closer to our time period here. I wondered if you have any thoughts um, from all of the experience that experiences that you've had and and now the the month or two that you've been working with Minnesota Nurses Association if there was something that you would like to a message you'd like to deliver to the nurses what would it be I think this comes maybe as much from my experience practicing as a registered nurse as it does um, as a lawyer Mm -hmm. and now as the practice a specialist in MA is that it is very, very important for nurses to be involved mm-hmm. in their practice. And if they don't know or don't understand, then to get understanding. Yes. And to know that the association is in their corner mm-hmm. and that all they need to do is pick up the phone or reach out and that the association is here to help them work through any problems that they are having. So they are listening. They're listening. Um, the issues that they bring up. Right. And we know that there are a lot of issues because, you know, I know as practicing the many years that I did and in the different hospital systems that I worked in, that every day there's issues on a unit that so be involved be involved keep thinking um i i just i can't emphasize this enough either i just know that in working with nurses they will many times talk to me about um just incredible ideas that they have but when i say you know could you take that to your manager to your administration or whatever oh no i would never do that right and i think that's one of the things that uh really has to change We're unfortunately at the end of this program again, and um, this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer, and I've been talking with uh, Jackie Russell about legislation and how that impacts nurses so largely, and yet our legislators often don't really know um, the specifics of how that legislation impacts. So we may have to talk about this again sometime and some of the other issues that go along with it. Um, So I just want to thank everybody for listening again. I really, truly love hearing from you. So please keep contacting me through LinkedIn and through my um, email of leanne 
voiceamerica at gmail.com. We will be talking with you again next Monday. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.